0: Hear now the Gospel reading from the account of St. John, the 11th chapter, verses 38-44. through 44. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus uh, looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God. We celebrate seasons in the church year. Our liturgical calendar as it's called, our worship calendar actually begins with the first Sunday in the season of Advent. We don't tend to follow the, 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 the regular calendar of January 1st, but our calendar begins with the coming of the Christ on the first Sunday of Advent. When we talk about the fact that Christ has come in His first Advent as a child of the manger and we look and prepare our hearts and lives for for the second advent of the Christ, when He returns as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and remember the promise that we have in Him. That season of advent gives way to the season of Christmas, where we actually focus in on the birth of the Christ. That gives way to the season of epiphany, where we talk about the gifts that the Magi bring and ponder what do we offer the Christ that is in our lives, which gives way to the season of Lent, a time of penance and preparation for Easter, where we acknowledge the sin that exists in the world, and we acknowledge the sin that exists in our own lives, and repent and make a right beginning. Then we get to the season of Easter, where we celebrate the resurrection of the Christ and the season of Eastertide, the great Paschal Mystery, the great 50 days between Jesus' resurrection and His ascension, which gives way to the season of Pentecost, which we are in now, where we talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit that has been poured out upon all of us and what it means to be gifted with the Holy Spirit, God's very real presence with us each and every day, which will, in a couple of more weeks, give way to the season of Kingdom Tide, where we will remain until we get back to Advent again. It's real easy to tell because our pyramids turn to green, and they stay green, and they stay green, and they stay green for about 27 weeks. But good news, we got some new green pyramids, so I'm telling you, you're going to love them. But when we end the season of kingdom time, we talk about, okay, now that we have all of this, what does this mean to grow in the kingdom of God? What does it mean that Christ is with us? What does it mean that God's kingdom has broken? What does it mean to be a follower? And that's where all of these seasons all come together. And that's the reason why we celebrate the seasons is, number one, there's some really awesome days to celebrate in that, but also because it gives a rhythm to our lives and it causes us to wrestle with these questions that sometimes can get overlooked. In today's passage, we are reading about Jesus resurrecting Lazarus. And obviously I've interrupted the passage because it starts back at the beginning of what we have as the 11th chapter, and it's a a long, long passage. I I, I really wanted to read the whole thing, but I figured y'all wouldn't stand up for that long. Uh, And I would get lost. Um, And the other thing is, is that there's so many so much stuff that is stuck right here in this 11th chapter that each one of them can be a lesson or a sermon or a Bible study or a discussion all on their own but there is a couple of parts that I need to go back and tag into that we didn't read to really frame the passage that we did when Jesus gets word that his friend Lazarus is ill now understand this isn't just somebody that someone has sent because they've heard of Jesus and this is you know Someone that Jesus wasn't necessarily close to. I know that sounds weird because as the son of God, I'm pretty sure he's close to everybody, but you get what I'm saying. He wasn't one of the, this isn't a human being that didn't normally hang out with Jesus. Whenever Jesus traveled through Bethany, which was often because Bethany was on the way to Jerusalem, especially when he's coming from the Galilee, uh, he would stay at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. THIS IS THE SAME HOME WHERE HE AND HIS DISCIPLES HAD GONE IN EARLIER IN HIS MINISTRY, WHERE MARTHA IS BUSY COOKING IN THE KITCHEN, PREPARING A MEAL FOR EVERYBODY, AND MARY IS SITTING AT THE FEET OF JESUS, AND MARTHA COMES OUT AND GOES, LORD, WOULD YOU TELL MY SISTER TO HELP ME? AND JESUS replies, MARTHA, MARTHA, YOU'RE CONCERNED ABOUT A GREAT MANY THINGS. MARY HAS CHOSEN THE BETTER part, and WILL BE TAKEN FROM HER. YEAH, SAME PEOPLE. He has visited with them. Lazarus is a good friend of his. So they sent word to Jesus, not just simply because he's Jesus, but because Lazarus is sick and dying. And as a friend, you would go by to see them, right? This also proves that our Southern culture comes directly from Judea, because that's what we do, right? When we find out that someone is sick, we send them food. When we find out that they may be dying, the cost of the food goes up. You know, when you're sick, you get the chicken casserole. When you're dying, you get the whole fried chicken. I mean, that's the thing. They want them to know. Come by, see him. And Jesus goes, eh. And waits around two more days. The disciples were all getting ready to go. And he said, what are y'all doing? Sit down. It's all good. Two days later, he says, let's go. WE'RE GOING TO GO RAISE LAZARUS. AND HIS DISCIPLES SAY, WELL, WAIT, IF HE CAN BE RAISED, THEN THERE'S REALLY NO POINT IN US GOING, BECAUSE THE LAST TIME WE WERE IN BETHANY, THEY WANTED TO STONE YOU. YOU you REMEMBER THAT, JESUS? SO IF WE DON'T HAVE TO GO TO BETHANY, LET'S DON'T GO. AND JESUS SAID, LAZARUS IS DEAD. AND THEY'RE GOING, WELL, THEN WHY ARE WE GOING? (laughs) THE MOMENT HAS PASSED. BECAUSE YOU KNOW, IF YOU'VE BEEN AROUND, WITH FOLKS WHO ARE SICK, ONCE YOU GET BETTER, THE FOOD STOPS. (laughs) JESUS SAYS, YOU KNOW, GET UP, WE'RE GOING, I'M GLAD THIS HAS HAPPENED BECAUSE THE TRUTH OF WHO I AM IS GOING TO BE DISPLAYED. AND THOMAS, WHO IS CALLED THE DOUBTER, WHO'S NOT THE DOUBTER, HE'S JUST THE PRACTICAL ONE, LOOKS AT THE DISCIPLES AND SAYS, WELL, WE MAY AS WELL GO TOO, AT LEAST THAT WAY WE CAN ALL DIE TOGETHER. THEY ARRIVE. And Mary comes out, Martha comes out, they both say similar things to Jesus. Lord, my brother's dead, but if you had been here, you could have done something. And in saying that, that's part of the statement. Again, just like our culture where you really want to tell somebody something, but you don't want to be rude, so you only say part of it, you don't say all of it. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. The rest of it is, but now that he's dead, there's not a blooming thing you can do about it. Why'd you show up now? We needed you four days ago. That's when we needed you. Now then, it's all over with. And Jesus looks at both of them and says, you know, don't you know who I am? Because again, he's been in their home. They've seen him work miracles. They've witnessed who he is. If anybody should know who Christ is, it should be Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. While Jesus is talking to Martha, he goes, don't you believe in the resurrection? And Martha says, well, of course I believe in the resurrection. I believe that the resurrection is going to occur in the last day and Lazarus will be raised then. But how does that help us right now? The rest, I believe, of what she doesn't say. Jesus looks at her and says, but Martha... I am the resurrection and the life. Don't you get it? And then the shortest verse in all of Scripture is recorded. The one that when I was in children's ministry and we had to do memory verses, that's the one I always wanted. Jesus wept. And I cannot tell you how many sermons and Bible studies and Sunday school lessons and devotions I have read, heard, watched, And they all talk about how Jesus understands our grief because even He cried at the tomb of Lazarus. And I say, you have got to be kidding me. Have you read the rest of it? Did Jesus know that Lazarus was sick when this whole thing started? Did Jesus know that Lazarus was going to die? Did Jesus know that He was going to go and raise him from the dead? So tell me why in the world would he be overcome with grief? Unless it was for the fact that out of everyone who should know who he is, they don't. Oh, they got plenty of belief in Christ. But they don't have faith in Christ. And I think that's the reason why Jesus wept. Because it makes no sense. The rest of the proof is found in the passage that we have read together today. The prayer that Jesus prays when they go to the tomb. The prayer that if you actually read what is there, that is recorded as Jesus actually saying, you can tell that Jesus gets a little snippy. Okay? Just a little. Because if you notice, He doesn't pray a prayer like He prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. He doesn't cry out to the Father asking something. He's making a statement. He says, and I quote, let me find it. Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. Did you hear it? Father, I thank you for hearing me. Oh, I know you always hear me. But I've said this so everybody else can hear. Because what I'm about to do, I want them to have no more question that you have sent me and who I am. He doesn't mealy mouth go up to Lazarus' tomb, which, by the way, did you notice the similarities between Lazarus' tomb and his own tomb? Stone tomb, thrown out of a rock with a stone that rolls in front. And he walks up and he says, remove the stone. Lord, it's going to stink. He's already been dead four days. It wouldn't have surprised me one bit if Jesus didn't say, I know he's been dead four days, I can count. I didn't ask you what you thought was going to happen. I told you to move the stone. Now move the stone." And then he cries out, "Lazarus, come! Lazarus, come forth, And out comes walking Lazarus, all bandaged up like a mummy. Of course, they wouldn't have known that because I'm not sure that they had mummy stories back then, but for us, that's what it would look like. He'd come walking out, all bandaged up like a mummy. And Jesus looks at the crowd and says, "Now unbind him." and let him go, release him. You see, that's the part that I want to focus in on, that sometimes I think gets overlooked in the entire account of Jesus raising Lazarus, is we get so excited about Jesus raising Lazarus. We get so excited over Jesus weeping. We get so excited over the miracle that we miss the result of it. Jesus didn't just raise Lazarus for the sake of raising Lazarus. He restored Lazarus to life as an example of what he has come to do. We started this journey back at Advent where we talked about Christ coming to be a part of our world. We continued this through Lent as we talked about that we are followers of Christ. And through Easter, we celebrated that we have received a new life through Jesus Christ, that the old creation has gone away, that everything is becoming new. And we celebrated last Sunday that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, the very real divine presence of God that dwells within us. But the problem is, is that some of us want to receive all of that, but still live the old life. We want to cling to the grave clothes of yesterday. We want to be reminded of every hurt, every pain, every failure, whether it's something that we did or something that someone did to us. If it's talking about something that we have failed in, I've got a question for you. Do you believe that Jesus Christ has forgiven you? That through Christ we are restored to a right relationship with the Father? Well, if God has forgiven you, what gives you the right to not forgive you? Do you hold more sway than the Father? And if it's something that's been done to us, well, let's just remember one simple thing let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. We spend so much time defining ourselves by what we've done, or what's been done to us, or what we perceive as right or wrong, or failure, or success, rather than by trusting the very real presence of God that leads, guides, and directs us, that claims us as a child, that makes us who we truly are. You see, Lazarus Lazarus didn't get restored to life and come out of the tomb just to keep walking around like a mummy. There's a lot of problems if you think about it for a second If you're all wrapped up I'm going to try to just keep running around like a mummy First of all, your legs are bound You're going to have to walk really, really carefully Second of all, changing clothes is going to become a bit of a challenge How is he going to eat? You see, he can't function You can't either When we stay bound to all of those things When we stay all wrapped up in our own stuff instead of letting God work within us then we don't function we don't function not only in everyday life but we sure Lord don't function in the way that God has intended for us and the path that God has laying for us and the blessings that God want to give to us, that God wants to give to us so you understand that Christ has come that Christ is with us and that Christ will come again you understand that you have been given a new life through Jesus Christ, through the death and the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior. And you understand that you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you, that empowers you, that you are not what you were, that you are a new creation in Christ. So by God, start living like it. Take the grave clothes off. Be unbound. Through the grace and love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Hello, my name is Kevin Payne, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m., and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.